Well, guys, thank you so much for coming out to Thrive tonight. Uh, We're starting a new sermon series called Necessary Sins. Uh, It's going to be about things that, in our culture, we've learned to justify. Um, Let me explain. There's a lot of things in life that we would call non-negotiable sins. I think everybody in the room would agree that murder is a sin. Stealing something is a sin. Adultery is something that's a sin that are really, really bad, really, really bad things you don't want to do. But there are other things like lying, uh, gossip, gluttony. These things are things that we don't really uh, think about as sin and we kind of justify. And even in some circumstances, we consider them to be necessary. Uh, Tonight we're going to focus on lying. Um, Lying is one that's very... Overarching, I feel like lying is something that affects almost everyone in the room, if not everyone, in some form or fashion. And the reason that I think uh, it affects so many people is because it's the language of the devil. Um, it, it's one of those things that really has the power and potential to destroy relationships, um, to destroy your witness, and to hurt you in a lot of ways. And so I want to talk tonight about ways that we lie. Uh, the reasons why we lie, and how to stop lying. And also I want to talk to you about how Satan is constantly lying to us. Before we get started, would you pray with me? Dear God, just thank you so much for tonight. And um, God, I I know that there's a lot of things going on in life that are distracting, um, that could take our mind off of what you want us to hear tonight. And so right now, Lord, I just pray that you would take those distractions out of our head, Uh, God, just allow us to focus for the next 30 minutes um, and just hear your word, your truth, and exactly what you want us to hear um, tonight. God, thank you for these people that you brought into this house. Uh, Lord, I just pray blessings upon them. God, just thank you for allowing us to be able to get together and love on each other and learn a little bit about you. We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. So I think that it's important for us to understand how big of a deal lying actually is. Because I feel like a lot of times it's one of those things that we do just shrug off of our shoulders. Um, First, I want to say that we also have to remember that lying is one of the Ten Commandments. Now, that word commandment sometimes gets forgotten about a lot of times. I think we we sometimes categorize lying as something that was written down on a 10 steps to a better life and a more fulfilling, uh, God-honoring life. But it was really something that was written in Scripture as something true and a direct command from God. It's something that we're supposed to be doing. And that in and of itself is reason enough not to lie. Uh, But Scripture talks about the implications of us when we lie and we don't uh, repent of that sin. And I want to look in Revelation chapter 21 verse 8. Because uh, I think it gives us a really clear idea of how God feels about lying. It says, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all the liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Now, that's pretty intense. Um, and you look at what lying is categorized with. It's categorized with the murderers, the sexually immoral. All of those things that we said were those really, really awful sins, it's categorized right along with them. If we read a little bit further down in Revelation chapter 22, verse 15, it says this, Outside of the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. See, I think the end right there is really important. 
um, because it says everyone who practices falsehood. Now, what does falsehood really mean? And I think what God was basically doing is giving us this really, really big bubble that anything that isn't 100% truth is a lie, and it falls into that category as a really big, bad sin. Mark Twain once said, a lie can travel halfway around the world while truth is still lacing up its boots. And I really liked that. Um, Lies have a power about them. Um, You you tell one person something that's slanderous or mean, and it's like a poison that just seeps out. It's basically like spiritual Ebola. I mean, it's a big deal, and sometimes I feel like we don't make it a big enough deal. And so when we know that, when we see the implications that God punishes it and categorizes it with these big sins— Why do we all do it? Why are we all so susceptible to it? And I think the biggest reason is is because lying is easy and telling the truth can be really hard sometimes. Uh, It's really easy if your back's against the wall to just say something really quick because what lying does is gives you this false sense of comfort for the moment. And I don't know about you, but I'm a person who's very impulsive. And I think uh, as a whole generation, we have a hard time seeing eternal ramifications Um, spiritual ramifications from our choices and our decisions. And what happens is, is we tell a lie because we can get out of it and it feels good for the moment. But if we tell the truth, well, if we tell the truth, that might make things messy. That might be a little bit awkward. If If we tell our friend the truth about something, it might not make us look so good in their eyes anymore. Telling the truth is difficult. But what's the flip side of that coin, of that messy coin? And the flip side is what God thinks about lying. It says in Proverbs 6 that the Lord literally hates lying. And in Proverbs 12, verse 22, it says this. It says, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. The Lord detests lying lips. Now, detest is a pretty powerful word in and of itself. Um, But if you look at the, the Hebrew word, The literal translation for that word is, it causes God to want to vomit. Causes God to want to throw up. So this sin that we think is so small, um, this sin that we think is so um, without consequence, these small white lies, literally want, uh, cause God to want to throw up. And I think the reason for that is what happens when we, when we choose to lie, is we look a whole lot like Satan. A whole lot like Satan. And I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to look like Satan. Actually, uh, as we go through this, I want to talk about the, th- the origin, actually, of lying. And the origin comes from Satan. And I want to read from John chapter 8, <clears throat> verse 44. And Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees when he says this. He says, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and the father of lies. He speaks his native language because he is the father of lies. You see, right there we have somebody to blame for this mess. Right there we see where this comes from, where this inward desire to lie comes from. It's in our genetic coding. Uh, The first time that we see Satan, he lies about God to man, and that's in the garden. If you remember correctly, in the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve are in the garden, and the serpent enters, and he's trying to convince Eve to eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so what he does is he discredits God in three ways. The first way that he lies to, to Eve is he discredits God's truthfulness. He tells her, hath God said that? 
with a question mark. So he's almost saying, did God really say that? Did God really say that? And what he's really doing is basically saying, you can't trust him. I mean, this doesn't really make sense. Does it? Think about it. And basically what that's doing is um, trying to, to, to break down the pureness and the ability to trust in what God's word says. And I look at that sometimes in scripture and think, oh my gosh, how could, how could something like that even be believed by Eve? Or how could the, the serpent say something like that? But so often in our life, because of circumstances, because of what we read in the scripture that we don't like, so often we say, D- did you really mean that, God? Did you really say that? We need to be really careful about that, about not discrediting the truthfulness of God. The second way that he tried to disprove God was by disproving his righteousness. He said to the woman, you surely won't die if you eat of the tree. He was basically saying, if you eat of this fruit, he's not going to punish your sin. And what that does is basically says, your God's not a good father. Now, if you're a parent in the room, you understand that when somebody, when your child does something that you say uh, or tell them not to do, you have to correct them in order for them to learn because the whole reason that that is in place is to protect them. So what Satan is saying here is, your God isn't righteous. He won't correct you. So again, he's discrediting something of God with a lie. And then the third way that he discredits God with a lie is he discredits God's goodness. He says, God is trying to keep something from you. He told Eve, he doesn't want you to eat that because then you'll be like him. He just wants to keep that for himself. And see, what he was doing was actually convincing her the exact opposite of what God always intended in the garden. You see, right there, right there, the perfect garden was torn in half all because of a lie. All because of Satan. We see Satan again in the book of Job. Now, if you know anything about the book of Job, the book of Job is a book of suffering. But the beginning part of that book, Job is a well-respected man. He's well-known in the community. Um, He has a family and uh, wealth. And then we see Satan challenge God almost. And he lies about man to God. And he basically says, the only reason Job listens to you is because you're so good to him. And so what happens here is God basically says, that's not true. He listens to me because he honors my name. And so Satan rains hell upon Job's life. I mean, he loses his family. He has disease thrust upon him. He loses everything. But God sees him through it. And then again we see Satan, the deceiver, at the side of the crucifixion, where he lied to men knowing that men would lie about Jesus. His spirit filled them to lie and have false accounts of who Jesus was and what he did, and it nailed him to the tree. See, Satan, in the book of Genesis, a lie corrupted a godly man. In the book of Job, a lie criticized a good man. And in the New Testament, a lie crucified God in the form of a man. See, lies have real, life-altering, powerful power in our lives. When we lie, what we do is we align ourselves with everything that is evil, that is destructive, that is broken. We're aligning our hearts to that of Satan, to that of the deceiver. Instead of aligning our hearts to what is true and good and holy and pure, we're aligning ourselves to something that's so dark and so broken, so messed up. See, lying is so big. We have to start, start taking it seriously. And it's so easy to justify things as white lies, but God is truth. So anything less than that we have to acknowledge as being sin. I think that we've gotten really, really good also at speaking in different languages of lying. Um, 
Some are better at different things than others, and I just want to talk about a few of them. The first one is slander. In Psalms 101, verse 5, it says this. It says, Whoever slanders their neighbor in secret, I will put to silence. God doesn't like you talking about other people. He makes that very clear. And uh, I know that all lies are seen the same in God's eyes. All lies have the same spiritual ramification uh, eternally. But some lies, or uh, some sin rather, not lies, but some sin rather, have bigger implications here on earth. And what I mean by that is if I go to the store and I steal something, but I give it back, um, is that a sin and is that against the law? Yes, but am I hurting anybody in that process? No, not really, just myself. But if I go and I make up a lie about somebody and I speak words that are not true and tell a lie, I can never take those words back. I heard a story one time about a pastor, actually, and uh, there was a member of his congregation and this person just started making up all these slanderous lies about him and just spreading it all around. And one day he was in church and he got really convicted by what he had said and done. And so he repented and he went to the pastor and he said, man, I've said all this stuff about you. I've lied about you and I'm so sorry. What can I do to make it up to you? And the pastor paused and then he looked at the man and he said, I want you to go and I want you to go open up a pillow and take the feathers out and put one feather on the doorstep of every person that you told a lie to about me. And he said, okay, that's kind of weird, but, you know, I want to make it up to you. So he did it. So he went and he got a church directory with all the addresses in it, and he spent the entire day putting feathers on these doorsteps, people where he had slandered the name of his pastor. At the end of the day, he went back and he said, pastor, I've done exactly what you asked. And he said, well, son, you're not done yet. Now I want you to go back and pick up every single one of those feathers and put it back in the pillow so it looks exactly the same. And he said, man, I can't, I can't do that. The wind has been blowing today. The Lord only knows where those feathers are now. And he said, same is true with the words you spoke about me. My reputation will never be the same. See, guys, slander is powerful, and it's dangerous, and it can hurt people in a big, big way. The second way that we lie a lot of times is we lie by insinuation. Um, this one's one of my favorites uh, because some people are just ridiculous in what they insinuate by what they say. Uh, let me give you an example. Lying by insinuation would be like this. It would be like saying, guys, today we get to celebrate because Krishna's here and she is completely sober. So, yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> so, it's, so it's true. It's a true statement. She's totally sober. But I implied there that she's a lush and she likes the bottle, which she doesn't, for the record. She didn't know I was going to say that. Sorry if I embarrassed you. But constantly that's happening, and more so in the church than anywhere else. I hear on a daily basis, we should really pray for these people because they need prayers because they're struggling. When the intention there is not for us to pray for them, it's gossip. When the intention there is to talk badly about these people, maliciously about these people, and I'm sorry, but that takes me off because you're using a platform of God to be mean. We've got to cut that out in the church. We've got to cut it out. Another way we lie in church and lie in general is flattery. Now, I'm one who tends to like false flattery. Even if it's not true, I like feeling good about myself. But uh, that's pretty unbiblical, actually. In, in Psalms fifty-five twenty-one, it says this. It says, His talk is smooth as butter. Yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they're drawn swords. I love that. 
I absolutely love that. Uh, if you're on the receiving end of somebody who's lying to you by constantly pumping you up and flattering you, would you just fix that relationship by not accepting it and just calling them out and saying, hey man, we need to talk because why are you doing this? Where's your intention here? And maybe you're one of those people who's constantly, constantly building up people. Um, I think you need to grab onto the motive, not so much uh, don't talk behind people's backs, but don't say anything to somebody's face that you wouldn't say behind their back. Does that make sense? Don't pump somebody up to their face and then go home and just start talking about them in a negative manner or way. One time I heard, uh, don't say anything at all if you don't have anything nice to say, but don't say anything at all unless you mean it. That's something that I think we need to tag on there as well. Another way that I feel like we lie a lot of times is with half-truths. Half-truths equal whole lies. Half-truths equal whole lies. So if you're going to tell a half-truth, you might as well just go all out and lie because it's seen the same way to God. Um, That's why when you're getting sworn into a court, it says, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. There's a passage in Scripture in uh, Revelation. It's pretty awesome, Uh, pretty scary actually too, but it talks about Christians who are lukewarm. And it talks about Christians who are neither hot, meaning that they're on fire for God, or cold, meaning they're not Christian at all. But those people who constantly are riding the line in between. And it says in Revelation that those are the people that God, are, God is going to literally spit from his mouth on the day of judgment. That's pretty crazy, but uh, pretty powerful, I think. And so I think the same is true with half-truths. Uh, God would rather you just lie or tell the truth. It's the same thing with the same implications. Another way that we lie constantly, and this is one that pastors get caught for a lot, is exaggeration. Uh, I've probably heard pastors exaggerate over a thousand times, and I've probably exaggerated just 200 times in this year. You guys can laugh. That's an exaggeration. It's not really that funny, but pity me. (laughs) Thank you. You guys are a tough crowd. Now I gotta try to figure out where I was at, because you guys didn't laugh. You let me down. Yeah, thank you. Back to my lie. I mean, no, the point, no, the point that I'm trying to make of why exaggerations, though, are a sin is this. Exaggerating can affect your witness in a big way. Let me explain what I mean. If I'm a person who is constantly saying, oh my gosh, this is the most great, awesome, fantastic, amazing thing in the whole wide world, and I'm talking about my circumstance, I'm talking about a thing, an item, a possession, Um, When I go to that same person and I start talking about a God who is awesome and great and fantastic using those same words, it kind of lessens the weight of the gospel. Does that make sense? It kind of lessens its weight, and it can hurt our witness. And so I'm not saying that you shouldn't go around and speak in joy uh, and be excited about the things that are happening in your life, but what I want to challenge you tonight and encourage you to do is when you're talking about those kind of things, is to find how God's working through those circumstances. One of the most beautiful things about God and the gospel is that he can't be over-exaggerated. You know, think about that. God can never be over-exaggerated. You can call him beautiful and awesome and wonderful and fantastic and the best and the greatest and the most awesome flipping guy in the world. All those things are true. And you can go on and on and on. He can't be over-exaggerated. Let that hold power by not exaggerating in your daily life. And the last thing uh, I think a lot of times that catch us in lies is when we make excuses. 
Now you might say, Blake, excuses are different than lies. But really, rooted at the, the heart of an excuse is just a dressed up lie. Let me give you an example. Um, I didn't get this done because my computer crashed at the last minute. No, I didn't get that done because I procrastinated. Um, we dropped the ball for this because this person didn't do his job. No, I dropped the ball for this because I didn't have the foresight to take care of it. You see, at the heart of every single excuse that you can come up with, that you can design, that you can make, the root of that is a lie. So we need to work as a church and as individuals to get rid of excuses in our life, which is something that's really, really difficult. I have a feeling a lot of you are sitting there thinking, I cannot wait till I ask Blake to do something and he makes an excuse so I can throw this in his face. And if that's you, that's fine. You can cast the first stone, but that's a different message. See, that was better. You guys are learning to laugh. Thank you. (laughs) You know, honestly, there's some times where I think we just lie out of habit. We've just become people who just lie because we just do. And you're going, why did I say that? Where did that come from? Um, I think sometimes people lie from places of pride. They don't want anybody to see that they're struggling with something. They don't want anybody to see the ugly side of them. And I think also people lie because um, sometimes they're just being mean. Uh, But whatever the cause might be, it's clear that it's something that we need to try to fix and cut out of our life. And so I just want to give you guys three truths, three tips for how to cut lying out of your life. Uh, It's not an easy task. It's, It's difficult. But hopefully these three things will help. Uh, But before I say that, I just want to say, one of the most beautiful lines in all scripture is this, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. And I love that because so many times, I think, I say so many pointless lies, and then once you lie once, you have to say another lie, and another lie, and another lie. And every time you lie, it's like you're putting a weight on your body, and eventually get to this place where you just can't breathe. But that moment that you tell the truth, it's like all that weight is just cast off of you. Man, talk about what it's like to actually live your life without constantly looking over your shoulder. Do you know what I mean? Because every time you lie, there's that part of you that's, that's constantly thinking, man, I really hope nobody finds out. And you tell enough, and that really starts to weigh on you. And you start doing this, and when you start doing this, it's really easy to lose the direction that you want to go in, right? It's really easy to. That's true freedom, guys, is being able to not have anything hinder you from pursuing the one thing that you want to pursue, whatever that might be. Hopefully it's Jesus. So here's three things I think will help us in overcoming lying. The first thing is we have to learn to love the truth. We have to learn to love the truth. David talks a lot in Scripture about how we have to find truth in the inward parts of ourself. In the inward parts of ourself. You see, David realized that without an inward change, there would never be an outward difference. Uh, And let me explain that. If I go in the backyard with my dad and I throw a football, that doesn't make me a NFL football player. And so the same is true with lying. Just because I tell lies, it doesn't make me a liar. Because I'm a liar, I tell lies. Because I'm a liar, I tell lies. And so you can't fix the problem just by saying you're going to stop lying. You fix the problem by becoming someone who's not a liar. And so you might say, Blake, I've tried doing that. So many times I've, I've said, you know what, I'm done with lying. I'm going to really, really pursue a, a holy lifestyle, a life of truth. And 
you know, I'm saying this from experience because I've done this so many times. Like, I'm changing my ways because I hate this part of me. And then a couple days go by and I start lying again. Why? Because there's no change on the inside. And so how do you do that? You might go, Blake, I've tried myself. That's the reason. It's not working. You can't do it by yourself. You see, the start of this whole process of us cutting lying out of our life is realizing that we have to have a changed heart. And the only person who can do that is God, the person who designed it. See, there's a piece of our heart. There's a piece of us, the flesh, that loves to lie. And so maybe tonight for the first time during the invitation, you just need to come down and get real with God and say, God, rewire my heart. I don't want my heart to lie. I don't want to innately just desire to lie. I want to speak truth. I want to pursue you because you are truth. We need to learn to love the truth. The second thing I think that will help us is to learn the truth. So love the truth and learn the truth. What I mean by that is... um, to, to truly saturate our minds with good things. I want to read from Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I often wonder, what if we spent our time, instead of trying to figure out ways to get away with a lie, if we spent them... Focusing on those things, things that are lovely and that are noble and that are true and that are good. I think that it would cause us in those moments where we're apt to lie, out of reaction, out of habit, uh, to speak the truth. Because when we're constantly thinking about the things that are lovely and noble and good, when we're constantly meditating on scripture and God's word and his holy truth, it's right here in our heads. And so that's the first thing that comes out. And not only that, but Guys, so often it's easy for us to hear the lies of Satan. When you think about scripturally, when uh, Jesus was in the wilderness and Satan was tempting him, how did Jesus defeat Satan? He defeated him with the truth from scripture. And that's the only way that we can defeat the lies in our life, is through the truth in the word. Could we learn the truth? Love the truth, learn the truth, and lastly, live the truth. Live the truth. I want to read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. It says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we're all members of one body. Now, I love that because Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus right here. And basically what he's saying is, guys, it's time to get real. It's time for us to stop wearing these masks and just get honest with each other. You see, it starts with a heart change that only God can provide. But then it's up to us. And so one thing that I think is really helpful is you have to be able to allow accountability in your life. You have to be a person who is okay with somebody saying, hey man, you're gossiping. You need to cut it out. We have to be okay with somebody saying, hey, are you sure you're telling the 100% truth in this situation? And when we do get caught up in those situations, being able to do this, to immediately confess, to immediately confess, and to immediately commit ourselves to the truth. I think once we're able to do that, once we're able to grasp that, slowly but surely, that habit of just responding in lies will break. But you have to lean into this family who's doing it all together, who's struggling just as much as you. And I just have to say this, uh, as a church, one thing that might be scary about that is how people are going to respond when you say, I'm sorry, I just lied to you. Um, this is really what the truth is, and I'm, I'm trying trying 
You might be afraid that they're going to look at you and say, why did you just lie to me or get angry or resentful? And what I want to challenge this church to be is to be a place where if somebody's pursuing the truth, if somebody's doing that in your life, that you'd be able to extend grace. Because the reality is, so many times in our life, every single person in, our, in this room, every single one of us, there's been a time in your life where you've tried to hide your sin from God. You tried to hide your sin from Him. I mean, we see it biblically even in the garden again. When Adam and Eve hide from God, God knew where they were, but still He said, Adam, my son, where are you? Because He wanted Him to pursue the truth. Because He's a God who loves grace. Would you give people the opportunity to seek the truth and be graceful in doing so? I want to close with this. Lying is a struggle for all of us because it's something that we're born into because of Satan, the master deceiver, manipulator, the enemy. He is an enemy for a reason. So many times in your life, guys, Satan is whispering lies into your ear. And we have to make a choice. Are we going to choose to believe these lies? and listen to the voice of truth? Are we going to continue to hang our heads and walk around defeated? Maybe right now in your marriage, Satan is whispering lies, saying, listen, listen, man, she's not worth it. She's not worth it. Don't believe the lies of Satan because God says she is. Maybe you're struggling with depression, with insecurity, because Satan is telling you you're not qualified and you're not good enough. Would you choose tonight to listen to the voice of truth that says you are? Maybe right now in your life, you are looking at the biggest giant you have ever seen. Something that seems so unconquerable. Something so unmovable. Something that's just crippling. Would you be able to look in the eyes of the giant and say, my God is bigger. I'm not going to believe the lies that you're going to defeat me tonight. Chris is going to sing the song with the voice of truth. This is my wish for you tonight is that if you struggle with believing the lies of the enemy, that tonight you would say, God, I'm listening to your voice, the voice of truth. This boat of men onto the crashing waves to step out of my comfort zone into the unknown where Jesus is, and He's holding out His hand. The waves are calling out my name, and they laugh at me. Reminding me of all the times I've tried before and failed And the waves keep on telling me Time and time again Oh boy, you'll never win You'll never win But the voice of truth Tells me a different story voice of truth says do not be afraid 
voice of truth says this is for my glory out of all the voices calling out to me I will choose to listen and believe and the voice of truth tells me a different story the voice of truth it says do not be afraid if the voice of truth says this is for my glory of all the voices calling out to me i will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth the voice somebody that we lie to more than anyone is ourself. And God, right now in this moment, would you just allow us to humbly admit the areas in our life where, where we're struggling with this issue. Whether it's we're struggling ourselves with being liars, lying, or struggling with believing the lies that the enemy is telling us. God, tonight, would you just do exactly what you said you would do in that song. Extend out your hand. Pull us into your truth. God, right now, I just want to pray for anyone in the room who's seeking for a changed heart because they know that their heart is wired to be a liar. And they have tried so many times to correct their actions, but they've never had a real heart change. And so it's just been futile. God, would you give them the courage to just humble themselves and say, Lord, I need you to rewire me. You're the only one who can because you designed me. You created this heart. Would you restore it? Would you speak truth into it? And God, if there's somebody in this room who's been believing the lies that Satan has been handing out, would you remind them of the story in the garden how a lie caused sin to enter the world caused so much pain would you let that be an example and maybe tonight right now Satan is whispering in their ear you can wait or there is no God he doesn't love you he's not good He's not trustworthy or faithful or righteous. God, would you just prove all of that tonight by just overwhelming us with your love and your presence. And God, thank you for being a God of mercy and of power and of grace and for doing everything that you've done already in our lives. God, just thank you for being here and allowing us to have this service where we can just be honest. Lord, you know my heart and you know that this was a hard message for me to preach because it really hits home. So God, I just ask right now, and 
full transparency, would you just change my heart? God, help us pursue the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you guys stand and sing this next song? And during this time of invitation, just respond. Uh, maybe it's by coming down and getting communion, remembering what Christ did for you on the cross. Because that is true. His body broken and his blood poured out, covering across all of our sins, redeeming those lies that have caused so much pain and destruction and disaster in your past. Maybe a way you need to respond is by fixing a relationship. I'm not going to get my feelings hurt if you walk out that back door and get on your phone and say, hey man, I haven't been honest with you about this. Restore the relationship. It's not too late. Pursue the truth tonight. Maybe you just need to come down on this altar and get real with God and humble yourself and say, God, change my heart. Change my heart. Whatever it is, would you just respond? To it?